Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, and independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Hello, everyone. I saw you all up at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time playing Zelda. Like, you, the Switch makes it very hard to lie about these kind of things. There are more than 20 of you doing this, <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one who's on EST, and I, I don't have children. Some of you had children to feed. I don't have children to feed. Yes, the uh, Nintendo Switch always does snitch in a time like this. The last time I saw anything this big was maybe, what, Animal Crossing? Yeah, mm. yeah, Animal Crossing for the first Zelda. But certainly in terms of the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also joining my my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I'm not a father. I'm playing Zelda all night. You can't do nothing about that. And to discuss The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is now out and we are all playing it but these two have a little more knowledge than a lot of us having played a whole heck of a lot first it's my colleague from ign.com it's tom marks welcome to the show hello thank you for having me i am soon to be a father so i got this all out of the way beforehand congratulations this was was the last hurrah thank you yes and polygons mike mahardy thanks for having me i'm not a dad not going to be anytime (laughs) soon but been playing a lot of Zelda, and I'm going to continue to do so. Yes, we are going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I would say that from a spoiler standpoint, it's spoiler level. Uh, what's a slightly darker green forest green? Um, <laughs> a lovely maybe, shade of forest green. I would say maybe we'll talk about the opening area. Um, yeah. We'll, tr- we'll try and keep the spoilers pretty light for this one. But um, cool. I managed to finish the starting area last night. Yeah, me Basically. too. That's pretty much where yeah. I am. So That's pretty much where we were able to yeah. get. Like locations, but maybe not like characters, events, okay. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff is in the very opening hours. We'll, we'll talk about some of the things that come later, but maybe in higher level terms, the kind of stuff that you would see in reviews, just to give a broader picture. But yeah, uh, Tom and Mike will be helping with us with that. We'll be into that conversation in just a moment but first if you enjoy the show please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice you can follow me on twitter at the underscore catbot naughty is at naughty oxford and eric is at cmoosey tom where can we find you uh at tom R. marks on twitter and that's basically it i don't do much social media stuff how about you mike like Tom, I don't do much social media, but I'm Emma Hardy on Twitter as well. Well, you two are smart. I wouldn't do too much social media <laughs> if I could. Mike, clearly you and I, you and I have to start like a joint TikTok after this just to like get oh, on the yeah. train. Oh yeah, share our Zelda stuff privately that we're yeah. doing in the late game. <laughs> we're also on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BloodGodPod, where you can find tons of bonus content. Where if you just can't get enough Zelda, well, we recently did Pantheon of the Blood God. For The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, you get bonus Charlian Dropouts episodes. We're going to do our Summer of Korra wrap-up, which is uh, currently underway. Very exciting. And yeah, lots. And if you join for just $1, you can get access to ad-free episodes and access to the Discord, where we currently have a hoppin' Tears of the Kingdom thread. And finally, we're on shop.bluggapod.com. Dot com. All right. This is normally the point where we would be talking about what we've been playing, maybe go through some random encounters, but we all know what we've been playing. So screw all that. Let's talk about Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, 
Tom, you reviewed it for our website, IGN.com, and you gave it a 10 out of 10. In fact, you would have given it an 11 out of 10 if you could have. I don't know. I, I think if Dan, Dan Stapleton, our, our uh, kind of director of reviews, I think if Dan had said we could do that, I probably would have backed off just out of like the nerves of it. But yeah, I did like it that much, I think. Tell me your high level thoughts, please. Um, My high level thoughts are that it is insane that I went into this not fully knowing if they would be able to top Breath of the Wild, and I came out of, after playing like a hundred some hours of it, I came out being like, oh yeah, this unequivocally, it is it is better. It is just a better game. They just did that somehow. It, it It's shocking to me that a game that I considered one of the best I'd ever played and also one of the biggest I'd ever played, and then I played Tears of the Kingdom, and I was like, oh, actually, that was like small compared to this is just <laughs> is sort of like a nuts thing like it sounds i was really nervous when writing the review i tried to make sure i mentioned things i didn't like about the game because it all sounds so hyperbolic right like it it sounds so crazy to say some stuff like that about breath of the wild that you kind of have to make sure you're not just going off the deep end with with love for this but, but yeah you can't I'm, be like oh that man Breath of the Wild is dog shit now, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I, and I mean, it's still a great game. It's just, it's kind of recontextualized by what course, Nintendo has yeah. done with this. And yeah, I'm I'm really amazed. I love the building stuff. I like the fusion stuff a lot. The the kind of new areas to explore are really cool. It's just, it's just such a cool game. It's really impressive that Nintendo could do this. Tom, you put like 80 hours into this game and Robo Riley in the chat wants to know, the ultimate test of how good a game is. Tom, are you still playing it after finishing your monster review crunch? Yeah, so I, I beat the game around 82 hours. I got to about 103 or 4 before the review embargo. Um, it. So I'm not playing it this exact moment. <laughs> like, like last night I went to a magic draft because I was just like, I, I just need to do something that is not Zelda for like five mm. minutes. Um, but... I am very excited to jump back in because I still have so much stuff to do. So I think I'm going to like give it the weekend, comp, like take take a little bit of a breath and then probably be playing it next week more. <laughs> a little bit of a breath of the wild, shall we now, say. Now that's old news. <laughs> that's old news. <laughs> uh, I, I can also confirm that this game has gotten its hooks into me. It's very much in the, uh, I'll just play a little longer. I'm almost yeah. to the next part. And yeah. uh, that that's what caught, kept me up until like 1230 or something like that last night. So uh, I know I'm in trouble, but <laughs> I do have some thoughts on this one. I'll share them in a little bit. But Mike, high level thoughts, please. Yeah, I am also or rather, I think I put 75 hours in to quote unquote beat mm. it um, before I filed the, my draft. And then I think since I... I'm closer to 100. I think I'm similar to where Tom was at when he uh, finished the review. But it's funny, Tom, in reading your review, uh, we both had a similar phrasing. You called, it's not so much that like, it's tough to say it's just like a better game than Breath of the Wild. I do agree that it is. But more than that, it's like, I like how you said it recontextualizes it. Because in, uh, in your review, you called, now in, in hindsight, Breath of the Wild's more just an introduction. I called it an overture. 
And in talking to a colleague today, I was like, you know what it's kind of like? Now it makes Breath of the Wild look like the ground zeros to Tears of the Kingdom's mm. Phantom Pain Whoa. a little bit in yeah. the way that it just yeah. took took the size, took the ideas it was building on, but then um, you showed how much more they wanted to put in Breath of the Wild. And I spoke to um, Eiji Onuma and Hidemaro Fujibayashi recently, and they did say that much, as we suspected, of Tears of the Kingdom was stuff they wanted to put in breath of the wild they just like physically technically just could not so i i really like this game i think it's better than breath of the wild now that more people are playing it i am very curious whether those quote-unquote immersive sim elements do push people away because as someone who plays a lot of games that uh like from arcane or going back to like looking glass do give the player a lot of that freedom to approach puzzles combat traversal in any number of ways even i was a bit overwhelmed at first i think this game does do a great job of easing you into it all but there still were points where i'm like i i've been playing zelda my whole life and i am so used to there being one maybe two solutions to these puzzles and just the sheer breadth of possibilities was it had me questioning whether people who really enjoyed the uh overall simplicity of breath of the wild which it's very funny now that looking back we i'm considering breath of the wild simple <laughs> but in hindsight it does seem that way but yeah I, I think this game like in many ways as cliche as it is to say a game goes deeper than the prequel it really does in like in ways literal and metaphorical but um yeah i i, I love this game and i'm still playing it uh, still thinking about it when I'm not playing it, even after a hundred yeah, hours. Yeah, the, the you, you compared with Metal Gear. The comparison I was kind of leaning on when I was explaining it to people internally before the review was like Portal to Portal Two, where like Portal Two isn't a revolution over what Portal One was doing. It's just so much more of that, right? And feels more fleshed out than that. And you play Portal One, you're like, this is an amazing game. And you play Portal Two, and you're like, oh, this is like really what they wanted to be doing. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same. Like I was talking to Chris Plant, my editor in chief, and he was saying like most video game sequels are the final draft or maybe not the final like perfect draft, but like at least what they wanted to do with previous games that they couldn't fit in most of the time with a game of this um, six year development window, at least. So it is interesting to see. And they knew, they've said recently, they knew right away with the sequel when they released Breath of the Wild that they wanted to be building on the previous Hyrule. Um, and obviously, you've seen from trailers and whatnot, there's Sky Islands now, but as you've heard, there are like, um, well, so <laughs> I won't go, I, I guess I won't go too deep into how they've changed map stuff, unless we want, I don't know, I'll leave that up to you folks. But but obviously, you know, there's, there's debris all over Hyrule and there's uh, just things have changed. Kakariko etc things like obviously people are reacting to the events at the end of breath of the wild and you know at the beginning of the game as you've seen in tears of the kingdom they're reacting to basically another calamity in its own way um so i, I think they've done a great job of recontextualizing hyrule itself as well eric how far are you i've i've probably put in maybe like I, if I had to hazard a guess, maybe just 10 to 12 hours over the okay. last okay. like 36 or so. Um, so you're just getting off the first island then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've, God, that I've, island's gigantic. Holy cow. We, yeah. we can talk about how far I've, I mean, like, so 
here's the wonderful thing is that maybe because I was playing so much Breath of the Wild coming in, I wanted to finish the DLC. I went and wrote up like some stuff about I was revisiting all the side quests that I thought would be important. And fun fact, they did pan out to be important. I'm very glad I did that. Um, but with this game, I didn't really want to go for the main story quest right away. And so I wound up just exploring and I wanted to go to old towns that were around in Breath of the Wild. And that wound up putting me on the path to do the Dragon Tears, which are like this game's memories, sort of, but very much more interesting, I might say. Um, but I wanted to point that out because, like y'all were saying, this is a game that's like very much in conversation with its predecessor. And so many little ways in which this game is doing things that feel like they're they're callbacks or they're like evolutions or like steps forward, even from the settings that were there in the original Breath of the Wild is honestly like just dropping my jaw at a few points that I I've I've told some friends, if you want to play Tears of the Kingdom, you can just jump into Tears of the Kingdom like you're not going to be too lost. And that might actually be beneficial because you won't be expecting some of the tools you had in Breath of the Wild, which were more about like moving the world. Breath of the Wild was about like taking things in the world and putting them in other places, manipulating the, the places they were in, whereas Tears of the Kingdom is about like putting them together and seeing how they interact and seeing what they do together and combining. And somehow that one little change makes this game so much more different and so just constantly evolving in a way that's just I I, I am constantly just mouth agape at this game uh, at about 12 hours and it is amazing what has been done here and we, we can talk more about some stuff because I definitely want to talk about the depths at some point I think that was maybe my first they are doing something way different with this game that I did not expect uh, but yeah no I I really like this game in keeping with our theme of Summer of Korra, not having the paraglider to start is like not having uh, the, the cat bus from the original airbender, Aku. Um, Abba. 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 Yeah. I don't remember names anymore. It's it's over for me. But <laughs> yeah, it feels like I don't have Appa right now. I'm just like, oh, what? I need the paraglider. I can't just jump down and be like, ooh. I died so much doing that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> I count how many times I've fallen off a cliff. Splat. It is fun. Uh, it is quite fun to jump, to just do an uber high dive right into the water below. To a puddle. I love yeah. that. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that was actually, so playing the um during the review period, another part of like that process was just fact finding for our services mm. and guides team who at Polygon, I mean, Shout out to guides oh, writers everywhere, but like just You're being a heroes. bit biased, Polygon's guides team. Oh my God. So that was the first thing as someone, I was like, people coming from Breath of the Wild, the first thing they're going to want that the game sort of funnels you toward, but not necessarily in a game where you could just go anywhere, you might not go toward it. But I was like, people are going to want the paraglider right away because they just had you dive off of a sky island without this, like perhaps Breath of the Wild's biggest crutch item. And you don't have it. I did feel naked jumping toward the surface without that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to look for that. And I'll tell the guides team where I found it or how I got it. Because I feel like people will be searching for that. And uh, it turns <laughs> out they were. But yeah, it, it's super weird to not have it right. Turns out they were, indeed. Turns out everybody's searching for Tears of the Kingdom. I uh, I went to a launch party for uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Shout out to Experience Share. Very fun. Some Zelda cosplay. Packed house. 
line uh line out the door and everything and my first thought was wow i i can't remember the last time i saw a game that was drawing this level of excitement at launch uh is zelda the only one that can do it is there any other franchise gta 6 maybe is it just the fact that we don't get these very often i don't know if gta 6 is that much of a cosplay community like everyone kind of it's gathering true, and that kind true. of I'm not saying anti-social <laughs> or anything but you know <laughs> Yeah, but I, I bet it would generate a lot of excitement when it came out. Oh, absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah. this is big mid two thousands level hype energy, I suppose. Um, Nadia, what are your thoughts? Uh, I like you am just finished with the uh, the tutorial island level. I have to say it's actually a lot more involved than the first uh, Skyward Sword tutorial area, which was n- nothing to laugh at by itself. But I noticed that, like, they really designed this island in a way that makes you really try out building and at the same time kind of thinking up solutions for puzzles and whatnot. Like, I have to admit there are points where I just said, okay, I'm building a big-ass bridge with logs, and that's it. (laughs) That's what I tried to do at one point. I was just like, "Uh, this is... I should probably be doing something other than literally just trying to build a giant, awkward bridge (laughs) across it. There's always something less awkward you just got to think about it and i'm always great at that but i you know i i did get my way across like i think my first really like oh wow aha moment was in the first shrine where you build the ski lift or you know the little zip line rather like yeah the, the hook and the 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 wooden thing i'm like oh okay i get this even like a, an idiot hamster like myself can probably you know get somewhere in this game but there are a lot <laughs> idiot of hamster <laughs> there's a lot of moments like that on the island where it's yeah. like okay first to do that the first ski lift it's fine it's whatever and then by the end of the when they're trying to get you to the third shrine which is hard to get to by the way because you're freezing your ass off and i don't know if i miss any cold clothing i probably did that's how big the island was then there's like okay here's a broken rail you can't use the mine cart so what are you going to do now and i'm like oh i'll make another stupid ski lift it worked but i'm sure they could, there's something else i could have done as well but yeah i love doing like already just the the mine carts especially like Oh, cool! We're going into a, a dark cavern. Here's a minecart. Holy shit! Let's do this. Did so anybody it, put it's a minecart on their sword? <laughs> you put a minecart on your shield, and then you shield surf, and you get to play Link's pro skater, and it rules. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It starts playing Superman by Goldfinger. It's really weird. Whoa! Kondor really falls out for this one. He's putting, like, oh, finally, putting things on the shield was. At, at the, that was one of the things for me at the start when I started playing. I was like, why would you do this? This seems silly. And then as you play more, it it's so wild because it makes the shield so much more than what it was because you can use it as an offhand weapon now. You can use it as a yeah. flamethrower. You can use it as a snowboard, right? Like it just, it completely changes what that item can be in such a cool way. Double wielding rock shields, baby. <laughs> now we're talking about the legend. I was yeah, trying, I've tried putting one of those bright things on the shield, hoping that I could mm. turn it onto a flashlight, but it just kind of sat there looking stupid. And now it's still there. Oh, it's yeah. like a bloom seed. Yeah, because you can put one of my, probably one of my favorite items in the game are the dazzle pods. Yeah, the dazzle yeah. they're called. Um, they're yeah. flashbangs. And you can either, you could just throw them. You could throw anything in your expendable inventory not everything does something well most of it does something but yeah the dazzle pods are great because if your aim is just off and you can't hit that Hinox's eye or the Hinox has started covering his eye like they did in breath of the wild then you just throw a dazzle pod and it stuns them but if you put it on your shield it's great because 
someone swings and hits you and then they're blinded and they drop their weapon. Uh See, that's the fun of games like this. Like, I wouldn't about think of doing like, hey, that. And then here comes someone says, oh, you know, you could do this. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, there's been, I think it's funny, Tom, I'm curious with you having played a lot. I think of the times I've like, quote unquote, asked the game if I can do X. I think throughout like 90-ish or 100 hours, whatever, there's been maybe like five times when I had this revelation and I thought maybe I can do this thing and the game said, no, you can't. The rest of the time, it's straining to say <laughs> yes, but you could also mm. do this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very rare. It's definitely very rare. Like I, I remember one time I was trying to get, I was in sort of like a cave thing that had a tall sort of uh, chimney-like path out of it. And I was like, how do I get out of this? And so I just strapped, some rockets to a nearby boulder and just rode the boulder out of the cave and the Mm -hmm. game was just like yeah i guess that works sure why not like it it is it is so there to steal a a quote from my review there like the last game breath of the wild very much felt like that i'm not sure if i was supposed to do this thing that nadia was saying right that was constant right in that game and this game feels like it just said okay we'll just lean into that and just make every puzzle be you know, feel unique, right? Feel like you are figuring it out for the very first time and nobody else has figured it out. And and maybe you weren't supposed to do that, but it worked. And I, I love that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. there's this, after I finished the, the, the last bit of, of the, uh, opening Island, there's this floating hover platform or something around. And I was like trying to find my way back to the temple of time because it's such this crazy winding path. It's interesting. They have you kind of do an arc all around the island. Yeah. Um, doing mm-hmm. all of them as they're tutorializing all of this different stuff. And um, I got quite lost trying to find the final bit. And I was like, how the heck do I get here? There's all these gaps. And then I saw this floating thing and I'm like, ah, screw it. I attach, I attach a thing to the back of it and just basically flew over <laughs> the entire mm-hmm. island. And I was like, yeah. well, good enough for government work, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've skipped I've skipped large sections of, you know, uh, not getting into too much detail. Later, there are sort of some sky islands with like, quote unquote, intended paths that feel like these very intentional sort of platforming sections to get to a specific location. And I've just built hot air balloons and just skipped them. Right. Yeah. And you're not punished for that. It doesn't feel incorrect in any way. It just feels like a different sort of way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I saw that uh speedrunner beat tears of the kingdom in 94 minutes already that long. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Gotta get those numbers down. Those are rookie numbers. I, as Eric I would do say. feel like this game has, a lot of story to get through, especially at the beginning compared mm. to Breath of the Wild. That was yeah. maybe one of my big surprises off the top. And that I was telling a friend about this, that like Breath of the Wild kind of just dumps you out at the beginning. You, you do the the shrines on the tutorial area, but they're very like short story wise. And then you're just kind of told like, go do your thing, destroy Ganon and Tears of the Kingdom takes a little bit longer to set up its story, give you its tools, put you back out in the world. But it also seems like it's putting more stuff in front of you at every turn to be like, hey, here's this character. You might want to go talk to them. They'll probably send you in a direction and there will be something cool over there. Like, here's a bunch of dots on your map. Go check these out. They're probably worth seeing. And I 
do think that that like added direction is probably helping some people who didn't vibe with that in breath of the wild the sort of like just here's the sandbox go play in breath of the wild here they're like we we built a, a huge sandbox a three-tiered sandbox uh but we're gonna put some flags down so you kind of know where there's there's stuff to do everywhere yeah and even outside of the like I, I do think and i haven't played breath of the wild intensely in about a year i went back just to try some things out semi recently but it struck me that tears of the kingdom definitely has more even compared to most Zelda games, like go talk to every NPC possible. You might get a side quest. You might get a side adventure, which are the like the tiered, uh, you know, multi-part side quests from everything I've gathered. But it's funny because I also think even on a, a more like a subtextual level, the game is very good at encouraging you to hop between mm. these tiers. Uh, I mentioned this, like you'll find a treasure map in the Sky Islands, but the X that marks the spot will appear in the depths. So you go down to the depths if it's your first time, or rather if you need to replenish bright bloom seeds, which are initially the default way to light up the darkness. Those are almost all found in caves on the surface. So I think they're doing really clever things to make, despite the fact that it is three open worlds stacked atop one another, they do really clever things to make it feel all of a piece kind of. And uh, that's what started to really impress me throughout. Like later on in the game, it's like, okay, I'm going to go mine Zonite Mm -hmm. in the mines. However, I'm, I'm like, you're almost preparing for a descent. So I was like, I got to stock up on X and Y and Z before I go down there. And then, of course, you come back up to turn in certain resources. I think that is all just like really well. And, and later on, Zonite in the depths becomes a resource you're very frequently using in the sky because it helps you build things. And so like it. Yeah, I, I think, Mike, you're dead on that. That is one of the the way that they sort of interweave those different areas is so clever. I had already noticed. It's clever without looking. Mm -hmm. It's clever without like being like, Hey, look at what we're doing. You know, like it's very smart. I had Mm -hmm. already noticed that the Zonite, uh, they're telling you, okay, you have to use it up here for, to upgrade all the stuff, but you're, you're not going to find much of it up here. You got to go down below. It's like, where's that? Figure it out yourself. They even give you like this, economy where they're like you can use some of it for charges to replenish something if you're like in a bad spot you need battery right now you can consume it or you can turn that stuff into another currency that you can then like build battery capacity with and there's yeah like there's so much just economy going on in this game too where i think one of the big surprises for me was early on in the game they're like hey a lot of the weapons in hyrule suck now (laughs) for story reasons (laughs) all the weapons are bad now and I know that is them just being like, use fuse. You, we put it in the game, use it. You're not going to get the good sword right away. Just use fuse. But it's also made me like pay way more attention to my inventory, what I've got in there, what I'm using. I feel like Breath of the Wild, my inventory was largely just a bag full of stuff that I dump onto a walk and cook. But I, that was about it. And here I'm paying way more attention to like, oh, flint drops. Cool. I might need that later because like making fire is something I have to do a lot more often in this game or like, oh, sick. I keys. I'm not going to run away from them. I'm going to murder the entire bunch of them because those keys eyeballs are super useful when I put them on the end of an arrow. So good. Oh, my God. For once, those damn eyes are useful for something. (laughs) It just feels so much more interactive. Don't don't underrate the wings. Yeah, yeah, the wings are great. Are yeah. the wings for speed? No, the wings make it basically so your arrow doesn't drop. It just makes it like a, a yeah. oh, hit dang. scan. It's a hit scan, scan area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ICBM. 
You get it's good for like up, yeah. sniping bow goblins from a distance. Yeah. Goblin. What the hell? What a beautiful day! Boom. <laughs> but but father, that is a really father. good point too, Pick because I think I think Breath of the Wild did have sometimes, and this isn't like a, a slight against it, but there was a tendency later in that game, especially where you just didn't really need to fight enemies. You could mm. just sort of run by them a lot of the time, and it wouldn't really matter because your weapon was a resource. So by fighting a thing you didn't need to fight, you were expending this resource that you didn't need to expend. But now enemies are that resource. And so fighting is really encouraged because the more stuff you are fighting, the more weapons you're getting, or the more so keys are suddenly not an annoyance. They are literally a resource to be gathered. And that's so smart. Yeah, and it's it's Oddly enough, a weird comparison that I came across. Um, my friend Mary Kish is playing through all the res. We play through all the Resident Evil games together on our show, and um, it's almost more like Resident Evil in the sense that you come across a group of zombies, and you're like, "I could spend some ammo to take them out and maybe get money and more resources, but am I better off just circumventing them?" Breath of the Wild, it was always an easy answer, like you said, Tom. If you already had x sword x broadsword x spear it's like i don't want to use them i'm not going to get anything mm-hmm. great in return maybe a few arrows that they drop now it's like oh man that's a silver bow coblin and my inventory is running pretty low so and i have a really good sword hilt to fuse with that silver bow coblin so i think this is worth it and it kind of increases that risk reward decision making like even late in the game i'm still now that there are silver enemies all over the place now it's even like exacerbated tenfold and it's i think that's just another way they've extended that uh involved thinking that you have to do i have a controversial thought since we're comparing tears of the kingdom to a lot of things tears of the kingdom is terminator 2 whereas breath of the wild is terminator 1 means more guns and roses (laughs) both very good in their own right I know plenty of Terminator 2 stands out there. I'm a Terminator 1 fan over here. I and like them both. If I, have, if I have one problem with Tears of the Kingdom so far, much like Terminator 2, it's a little silly. Uh, there's there's a, yes. uh, a Twitter meme of uh, Link's new abilities, and it's like, Giant hand, mow with all the guns attached to one another. The guy it's jumping amazing. back into the window. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. no, no, dig up, stupid. And there are a lot of times where I'm walking around looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, this game's wild. They're just giving me these toys to kind of like cobble together into weird stuff. Mess around. Uh, I'm not saying like tonally the story actually feels darker than uh, yeah. Breath of the Wild, especially <sighs> the beginning. It's uh Yeah, it's Phoenix Rocks. Very freaky, actually. It's it's strong. It's a strong intro, I have to say. And I'm intrigued by the story and I'm excited to see where all this goes. And there's almost a metaphysical aspect to it as you as the world sort of comes apart. You're you're transcending the physical realm, I suppose. And being able to go into the clouds and under under the ground and build all of this crazy stuff, and I can absolutely see where it's going, and it might be, and it seems to be going in a very special direction, and I can absolutely see why everybody's so hyped for it. But my first thought while playing Breath of the Wild was, you know, I'm not going to totally slight the more straightforward, 
uh, more focused direction of uh, Breath of the Wild, because maybe at its worst, Tears of the Kingdom can start to feel a little ridiculous and a little messy. It's definitely, I was talking to coworkers about that throughout the process. Like, it definitely reminds me a bit, it feels slapstick in yes. a lot of mm-hmm. great totally. And I, yeah, I personally yeah. love it. It feels like Nintendo is kind of like leaning into it. But several coworkers have also said the same thing, Cats. Like, it feels at odds with the story. To me, it's kind of like the comic relief to the dramatic story. But speaking of monster parts and fusing, it's hilarious to me that to like, I guess it's a bit of world building or like to make it make sense that you're fusing stuff with monster parts. All of the monsters horns are now weapon shaped. Like that's clearly just a trident hanging out of the blue book goblin's head now, or that's an ax. That's a great ax on the uh, boss bow goblin. That's very funny to me, especially because you can also fuse my favorite. I I really don't want to spoil this because it's incredible, but it's basic. You could probably make it right away. If you have a stick, Fuse Hylian shrooms mm. to the, the stick and then see what that makes and use it on an enemy. It's I'm consistently laughing throughout the game, but it's definitely at odds uh, or complimentary, depending on how you feel about it, to the story. Well, this is something really that, uh, uh, sorry, Eric, to interrupt, uh, but I was going to bring up what we were talking about before the show started, where uh, this is a very, very Nintendo thing where most games are like, OK, put X into Y and woo, you have a new thing. But they purposely put a Korok in uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom that you can experiment on. Like, oh, I need to reach my friend over there. What am I supposed to do? And there's already a TikTok of someone attaching 10 rockets to one and shooting it across the, the freaking country while Dragula plays in the background. So it's just uh-huh. stuff like that is so... I find Japanese... So it was made kind of for the social media era. No. It, absolutely. I mean, it's complimentary to it, but like, I, I, I don't know. This is another thing where like, I see people be like, oh, they made a game for TikToks. And like, no, they didn't make a game for TikTok. It's just a game that's conducive to TikToks. Very. But like... It's um, oh, come on. You don't think in... they weren't thinking about TikTok when they were making oh, this game. Of course game. they oh, were. So... Of course they saw the yeah. videos of all the physics based wildness and were like, huh, huh. And like, I, yeah, yeah. I would not They're doubt leaning into true. the fact that Breath of the Wild was a Twitter sensation for years. But that's okay, though. You got to advertise every advertise. But, oh, but no, it... I'm not. Yeah, they games that are successful are memed. I think that's like one of my like rules of yes. the modern era. Yeah. It just is. So early on when they first started making Tears of the Kingdom, Aonuma was saying recently the other day he, that they had doubts that Tears of the Kingdom would work and be enjoyable. They thought they might be trying too much. And then Breath of the Wild started to gain traction when people were manipulating, which in hindsight, those rudimentary mm-hmm. rune abilities mm-hmm. compared to Tears of the Kingdom. And then that was like what gave them confidence for the next six years that what they were doing with tears of the kingdom would work so that's definitely an element of it but um i don't know that i'd go so far as to say like they designed a tiktok game but it was absolutely i think front and center in their minds when they were like getting ready to release and see what people would yeah. be doing and it's day it's day 0.5 and people are already yeah i've already seen poor uh, Koroks, uh, which, someone i put a video yeah. in just like a big, big effigy of a wooden man and they put a rocket where his wiener would be and they hit it <laughs> And I saw that too. Oh my god! It, it then explodes. it blows up, and but, a happy face part just comes like right Link's feet. So, so Nani and I were talking before the pod started, and and I pointed this out. We were talking about the Korok stuff, and it's like if that had just been one of the orbs from the shrines or whatever, you know, get this thing over there, and and you'll activate the shrine, and you're good, or something like that. 
I don't think those challenges would have been as interesting or compelling, and I probably wouldn't be stopping to do them all the time. But because you have this like hapless crash test dummy who is <laughs> who is also invincible, who is Looney Tunes rules on this crash test dummy, and you get to just subject them to every crazy invention you see uh I, I was in a discord last night with friend of the show jesse vitelli and we were uh just experimenting with stuff and he built a ramp for one of those glider things and stuck like rockets and fans onto it and like you could have just flown the glider across the river to get that korok over there but instead he just sent this thing off like it was welcome to jackass my name is link and this is the korok launch and it's <laughs> Like Elden Ring. So Elden Ring was the same way where like, yeah. I think Elden Ring was it maybe unintentionally, but like frequently funny video game because of just the way the world would kind of yes and everything you did. And yeah. it would be like, okay, you're going to, to fuck around and here is the consequences of your actions and it's going to be funny and like failure is fun in this game. So yeah, it's, it's TikToky, it's meme but it is also like, indicative of a player interaction level that is like just super compelling and you want to keep like sharing clips and videos and stuff can i can i give a, a shout out to brendan graber on our uh, wiki team who at one point pre-launch shared this screenshot with us uh it turns out that those Koroks don't despawn until you like save or load or go into a different screen te teleport or whatever so he just got a wagon and just went around an entire area and just filled this wagon with as many Koroks as he could and Aww. was just taking them on a cross-country road trip as nice. five Koroks were in the back just being like, I need to reach my friend over and over and over yeah. again. You could be friends together. <laughs> it's very <laughs> silly. And and Kat, I think you're totally fair to, to maybe not totally gel with because it's a very different vibe from Breath of the Wild where, you know, it's very quiet and post-apocalyptic you're riding a horse through the countryside and in this game you're like driving a monster truck through the countryside and it's a very different tone it totally is yeah i i was thinking about the opening area the opening area in tears of the kingdom is undeniably impressive and it feels like such a flex um early on when you uh uh in the intro but I think that I actually prefer the intro in Breath of the Wild, the intro area in Breath of the Wild, because it's you know mm. one of the one of the great great intro areas ever. It is iconic, yeah. Like it's I, iconic. I, it gets through its stuff pretty quickly. I mean, this game was tutorializing me hours into it, right? Uh, Breath of the Wild, comparatively speaking, cuts you loose uh, quite a bit earlier. And but there's less to do in Breath of the Wild, though. Like, so true. they want you to know how to combine things, I, really. I also think there were things in Breath of the Wild that they maybe realized they did not outright teach the players super well. And so they mm. put some things in Tears of the Kingdom because I, when I was trying to help a friend through Breath of the Wild recently, I was trying, I was like, oh, you have to parry. You're fighting Thunderblight Ganon. You need to learn how to parry. And they're like, how do I parry? I was like, oh, does the game ever teach you to like hold ZL and hit A to like, you know, fling with your shield and do the parry. And like, maybe I almost never point, did that. <laughs> an NPC says it, but yeah, I it think it's, I think it probably is a shrine. 
because they they hid some of those tutorials right. in shrines and they do that in this one too but i remember seeing a video of a twitch streamer who had played like a hundred hours of the game and then got to a shrine that taught you how to backflip dodge and was like wait what yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the flurry rush the shield yeah. surf like because they just don't do that they didn't do that super well you're right once again like it's just a difference um mm-hmm. i think uh, I've seen some people comment that you just can't hit as hard as Breath of the Wild did the first time around when mm, you step like into that world and you see how vast that map is and you're discovering shrines and you're playing yeah. all the secrets. I think that when we think back to Breath of the Wild, we forget how impressive it was, how how much it redefined open world as we know them, there's a reason every game has been chasing the high of Breath of the Wild um, ever since. I was playing freaking Jedi Survivor, and they're trying to be like, we've got Breath of the Wild shrines too. Look at this. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to move this orb around. Neat. <laughs> Except Breath of the somewhere. Wild just did it better because it had those physics-based puzzles. And uh, Tears of the Kingdom takes all of that and be like, and it's just like, all right. We've had all this cool stuff from Breath of the Wild. Let's go crazy with it. Mm. Let's just let's just mess around with all these mechanics and just see how let's nuts we nuts. can possibly get with all the physics based stuff. And uh, it's it's a mood. It's a mood for sure. On that note, it is absolutely wild to me that a Switch is running this video game, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I keep waiting for right my there. Switch it's to huge. blow up. It's, it's too it, big. It's giant. It's gorgeous it's i mean there are loading screens but they're like largely infrequent especially when i'm roaming the world like maybe it hitches a little bit when i'm moving from like sky down to, yeah. to land and when I'm you're like carrying fast, big but... things or building things it will definitely slow down quite a bit yeah yeah there, there's slow down but like i'm just there was a moment where i was like walking through a field and i saw like a big sky island off in the distance and stuff falling down and like a dragon flying through and and like just things moving all around me but the sun was shining and the grass looked gorgeous and i was just like how is my switch not on fire right now <laughs> like this is the hardest it looks that a Nintendo, so good like, on all the people who are it's wild to me that people are like this, this looks like it was made 20 years ago i'm like what the hell are you talking about the one really bad tweet that was like, oh, sure, Redfall gets a bad score. That's 60 <laughs> frames per second. This 30 frame per second game gets a perfect Look, score. What Red, are you talking about, child? Red, Redfall's problem was not graphical fidelity. Yeah, um, Redfall, Redfall has some problems no, that, that is a pretty game. That is a pretty problem of a game. You children, I want to get in there and smack you all. Like, growing up in the Atari 2600, and you're gonna be coming at me with like, oh, 30 frames per second shouldn't be a 10 game. Where, where are you getting this rule? Which god are you talking to? Which evil dark god? I mean, there are points where I've uh, I've definitely felt the age of the engine. Did you know oh, for sure. that this engine is going back all the way to Twilight Freaking Princess? I was uh, wondering about that. Like, this is their own engine, isn't it? There's a reason that speedrunners can break it so easily. We uh we posted a story over um on IGN about speedrunners plotting to break Tears of the Kingdom, and one of the things they said was. Well, we've been able to use the same tricks for like pretty much every game because it's all the same engine. That's so great. We That's know right, wow. right off the bat what's going to work. <laughs> I would have sworn that Breath of the Wild they would have done they would have used something new because it's such a big the game, change. That's the crazy. GameCube is not that different from the Wii U. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> let me rephrase that. 
I can think of one way in which it's, it's on different. the record now. <laughs> no, it's on the no. record. <laughs> I actually think that the leap from GameCube to Switch go. is not that big. Well, isn't that what the people were saying about the graphics of this game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that looks like a GameCube I don't game. Think I was arguing. <laughs> well, there we go. I guess I agree with all the weirdos over on Twitter. <laughs> well, although I think HD really brings something like obviously it's a huge bump up. Like comparing yeah. HD to SD is kind of difficult. Oh yeah, truly. The the HD helps helps a little bit, but but it is basically again monolith soft. It's like you can see immediately why Nintendo brought them on to do this game. Like yeah. somebody mm-hmm. somewhere made it, mm-hmm. a, a patch mm-hmm. with the Dark God, probably Takahashi. Um, can I pose one hot tape for for the end of this? Um, I and we're not talking about story, uh, and we're not going to delve too deep into story. I think I'm finally at the point where I want Link to talk. Um, really. I I like this game a lot and I think the story stuff it does is really like smart. It's really good. It's really well done, especially if you've played the first Breath of the Wild. There's so many links to even just tiny things in Breath of the Wild. They're so good. But I, even in Breath of the Wild, you had like bits where there was like a Zelda memory where they're riding on the horse and Zelda's like, oh, that advice you gave me really worked out, Link. <laughs> and, and like in universe, Link does talk he does he doesn't say much and it just kind of becomes this reoccurring gag but i find as the story is doing more and more and more i'm starting to just be like i want there to either here here's my compromise okay i want there to either be (laughs) a a link that talks or or and i think this would be really cool a reason link does not talk yeah and Hmm. And maybe, like, I think it would be cool for Link to be a protagonist that uses sign language or stuff like that. I I would kind of really dig that and keep, like, the idea of that character moving forward, but do something interesting with him. But it is kind of weird that they keep coming up with this same gag where they're like, "Uh isn't it funny how Link doesn't talk ever? How he just does not speak at all? And it's it's a tired gag for me at this point. I I really do. I mean... uh... Beware the slime just posted, excuse me, princess, in the chat. So I've always grown up with the talking <laughs> link, unfortunately. But I am ready to, like, just have him talk. Especially, as you say, this is a very, uh, already it's a very story-intensive game. And there's certain revelations right at the start that made me say, what? And ask yeah. questions. And nobody's asking those questions or saying, what? When he absolutely should be. Or, or maybe just some level of communication. Because, like, yeah. when I played Metro Exodus, I felt the I know, same he thing. He does communicate. He goes, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, grunts, well, he, does, uh, he does the he'll, he'll, he'll do this <laughs> yeah. thing a lot in this game too with when he when you're talking to NPCs, especially about story stuff, where he'll sort of motion with his hands. Mm. He'll be like, "What happened to Zelda?" or something like that, and then he'll motion with his hands and that like and be implied that he's speaking. Yeah, and okay. then they'll suddenly have like pages and pages of exposition that he never actually said but now they actually know and and so the implication is that he is talking and we just don't ever get to hear it i guess it's a little weird it's, it's, it's funny they, they kind yeah. of started that with uh in zelda 2 he talked but only in very very circumstances he would read certain signs like there was a sign to an abandoned town and if you read it he would read the sign and say strange this place is deserted and that's like one of the only places you see him talk zelda 3 uh, a link to the past there are instances where you see a bunch of ellipses and that's supposed to indicate this is him talking to this character and then the character responds. So mm. I guess it just kind of stuck. And then as you get awkward in time, you get more of the screaming and the yelling and the grunting. Yeah. I don't think I want voice acting. I think I'm cool without voice acting. I think just some may, you know, the pantomiming stuff is one thing, but I think maybe just some acknowledgement of Link 
being a little bit more active, especially it's in the cutscenes where I feel it the most. Yeah. Where sure. there's this yeah, big emotional thing happening in a cutscene and like Zelda's talking and whoever else is in the cutscene is talking, but Link is just like has to not say anything and also could maybe like the pantomime thing works when you're out in the game world and you're doing the text prompts but maybe doesn't work as well in the cutscene, so they don't really do it there they just kind of have him go like huh or you know like look surprised or like affirmative or whatever yeah can i can i just say um nintendo has given its characters a voice in the past and it hasn't worked out can i can i Kindly Chris direct Pratt. your attention to Metroid Other M. Oh, uh, <laughs> that could have been a lot. But I, what people don't understand, I don't understand this either. Uh, what's her name? Jennifer Hale? Uh, she was basically the voice of Samus for uh, a while, like when she did show up. And she's an extremely professional voice actor. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. But then they got, I don't know who they got for Samus and Other M, but it was just like, there is no real excuse for that. It wasn't the fact that Samus can't have a voice. It's just Nintendo, well, give her a better voice. You like they do clever things with Samus's voice in some of the Metroid games where you maybe don't hear her talk, but you get a lot of her. Yeah. Yeah. So Zoo Batman points out like the inner monologue of Samus and stuff she like that. She does talk so, in dread. She chops. She speaks Chozo. Yeah. And so like, it's pretty I, cool actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying like just turn link into a voice character, like doesn't need to be commander Shepard or anything, but like <laughs> absolutely like having, I don't know, Maybe stop making a gag of it, I guess, is what I'm yeah, saying. I like at least at least contextualize the character if the story is going to go to the places that the story has been going to. It's funny because I was thinking when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, I was like, God, Link's hot with that tussled hair. <laughs> Link's got a look. Running around, look. running around shirtless all the time. Um, and they're they're just like very intentionally the first outfit that you have they're just kind of showing off link's body i'm like okay we get it link's really hot thank you tears of the kingdom everybody's hot in tears of the kingdom um actually yeah i was like uh (laughs) i think at least part of zelda's appeal is link is one of the coolest characters in video game history one of the best designed video game history game characters in video game history just compelling the way that his uh, his um, character ha- design has evolved um, over the years. I find it distinctive and charming that he doesn't say anything. And I think I would be find it incredibly jarring if he started uh, even talking a little bit. Because um, at the end of the day, Link's a self-insert character. and That's true. He has literally named right. Link for that reason. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm like so like the the sign language idea is somewhere where i'm like that's a really cool way for them to mm. take that character and keep that character but um and also someone i think it was robo riley in the chat said that like inventing highly in sign language would be really cool and could be ah, like a cool neat. lore thing as well but that'd be fun to do um yeah on that note like yeah link's look is so it's like they looked at breath of the wild and they were like yes we did look at princess mononoke for inspiration and we're going to show you that with the way we designed link and zelda in the new game the arm like, is cool i have the to arm say. is so cool they're like how can we give link tats i got it i should have one that says mom on it I'm <laughs> link has been like a consistent crush of mine since i was a little girl so he's just always going to be there for me i think mm-hmm. and that's okay Legend of Zelda, Link's always going to be there for me. Um, final thoughts uh, before we move on. Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, pretty good game. 
are we going to still be talking about this one in glowing terms in 10 years? Is it the one duology to rule them all? Well, why don't we wrap this up so I can go play? Sorry, everyone. Thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess one thing I will say real quick on that point is I I think that I can safely say I think that Tears of the Kingdom is a like a tangibly noticeably better game than Breath of the Wild. I don't know if it will be as impactful of a game long term. Mm, I mm-hmm. don't like all of the building stuff and the fusion stuff that it's doing is so clever and works so well for what this game is doing, but it's nowhere near as revolutionary within crafting and building mechanics that already existed as what Breath of the Wild was doing for open world games was. Right. And I don't, I don't think that's a problem. It's just like, it'll be interesting to, to what you just said, Kat. It'll be interesting looking forward when, where this sort of falls in people's memories. I think it's going to be I, mentioned. I do think it is better. Sorry but, to interrupt, but like, yeah, no, just thinking about it, it's probably going to be mentioned in the same breath, the way that Galaxy 1 and 2 is. Yeah, probably. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's... I. I think whereas Breath of the Wild was like a repudiation of all open world games... And not just open world games, but just video game trends of the early aughts and 2010s right. in general. I think this is very much more specifically in conversation with Breath of the Wild as opposed right. to all games. I think my suspicion is that a decade out, looking back on these two, we'll see them more as a package that Breath of the Wild c- kicked off. But I, I would totally agree with that, Tom. I don't. I think Breath of the Wild's impact will like it'll be a long time before anything comes along that is that big of a sea change tears of the kingdom is just kind of like again it's more of that that like it's 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 reflecting on breath of the wild in ways that i'm finding to connect with me they're connecting with me quite a lot but yeah i i I think that's that's how i'm looking at it as well it's um oddly enough i feel like it's very comparable to another like you know zelda duology that we have which is ocarina and majora's where yeah ocarina was this big amazing thing they put zelda into 3d breath of the wild was the same thing breath of the wild has basically like changed the way a lot of people have thought about open worlds for ages um and both of their successors are using the same world in conversation with their predecessors but if that holds true then i'm probably going to end up liking tears of the kingdom a lot more than breath of the wild so um we will see we will see um yeah we've I feel like we've talked for a long time and barely scratched the surface on this game. So uh, this is not the last time we're going to hear about Tears of the Kingdom on Axe of the Blood God. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just sitting here like, hmm, there's so many things I want to go do and explore now. And I haven't even touched the main quest. I don't care about the main quest. Zelda's fine. Don't worry about her. She's, we're, she's we're doing good. great. <laughs> she, well, okay, with zero spoilers at all, and Mike is the only person that's going to be able to understand what I'm saying here. I'm so excited for people to see more of the story. It is, mm. it is such a cool story. And I just, I'm just excited mm. for that to, for us to get far enough down the road that people are like, okay with talking about it in public, if that makes sense, you know, like yeah. it is, it's just a cool thing. We're going to get a so. horse. Huh? Before we finish, we're going to get a horse. Sorry. Oh, there are yeah. horses. Don't worry. You'll find horses. <laughs> okay. Like, you'll find like, a horse or a bear. Yeah. You'll find some. A yeah. bear is great. It, it's one of those it's one of those story quests which it's not just the script that's interesting it's like the mechanics oh, cool. of it get really interesting yeah much like breath of the wild but i think i need a horse like the first time um, you come yeah. down and they're like hey build a car i was like oh cool here i go and i tried to build it, it turned out like the, the wheels just kind of just skew like you don't have a cartoon of a car that's like tired 
It's like, oh, and his wheel just kind of spread out. That was what I made, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be very good at My this. My first boat looked like, a spi- looked like Homer Simpson's spice rack. <laughs> it was just like, well, I guess it's a thing. I can't make the, the sail stand up. The controls are, aren't really keeping up with this game, but okay. Give it time. You'll be able to make, like, you'll have the stuff to make mechs. And, like, someone made, like, a Pacific Rim mech did. this morning. That's I saw crazy. it. crazy. Yeah. You, you'll, it'll get to the point where you're, you'll be like, oh, I used to be relying on wagon wheels and wooden planks and fans. And then, uh, I mean, fans continue to be useful. But, yeah, you can... I think the game will ease people into making some just like really my boat cool stuff my boat i stuck the sail in the corner by accident somehow so it was like here comes the ss stupid because it was just totally lilting God. over but i made I, it made i put a laser cooking pot save my bacon a couple times i have to say mm. yeah everyone made fun of that old man on the bus making a, a raft with only one log in that commercial that they just released the other day <laughs> and then they man. got the game themselves and they couldn't do a raft with one log so there you go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hey that guy is secretly the best uh speedrunner um beware the slimes <laughs> wants to know what do y'all think of tears of the kingdom as the switch's swan song uh pretty good bookend i have to say absolutely mm-hmm. great bookends probably some of the best for any console yeah. i've ever played and i've been playing for a, a long time that'll be pikmin 4 for me <laughs> <laughs> okay that's mm-hmm. fair mm-hmm. somebody was pointing out that it really uh I mean, just comparing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet to uh, Tears of the Kingdom is like, whoo! Yeah. What a disappointment because I love I, Game Freak. I know, I know, Scarvi has the potential to be great, but there you are. The, the funny thing is, Scarvi at the end tries to do something that I think, like the Breath of the Wild and, and Tears of the Kingdom team, would be like uniquely suited to do well in the Pokemon environment. But that's like where you see them trying to do that sort of thing, and it just it's really like storyline wise, like setting wise, really cool, but does not get there because they just can't make it happen on the switch. Scarvi was so bad that it killed off Silph Road. RIP to a great. Oh, website. did it really? <laughs> did. Yeah. Oh, Very my gosh. Sad. Well, this isn't the last time that we'll be talking about the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom on this podcast because I think we're all playing it and we'll be playing it for a while. In the meantime, go check out Tom's review over on IGN and Mike's review over on Polygon. But before we move on, is there anything else that people have been playing and or want to talk about? Uh, I played Final Fantasy V. Mm-hmm. Sid's grandson is named Mid. And apparently, <laughs> like I put this on Twitter and everyone got to laugh at it. But someone from Japan contacted me and said, actually, his name in Japan, the, J- the name in Japan is Sid. And then Mead. Uh, uh, so I'm like, oh, like the, the sci-fi is guy. That like, like that, Bart's that... versus Butts? Yeah, Damn, basically. This kid's yeah. mid. <laughs> but mid's a great name. Imagine naming your kid mid. He's boring. Like, yeah, I don't think this kid's got potential. <laughs> Let's try again. The doctor says I should wait six months. Eh. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right. It's time now for a series of random encounters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. competitors the Roge ally that's republic of gamer uh gamers launches june 13th with a 699 dollar model um the Roge ally is uh basically it's a steam deck but with windows on it and mm-hmm. it seems somewhat more powerful um well designed so the the arms race of the portable pc is truly upon us Diablo 4 revealed more information about its battle pass including a free premium and accelerated version as well as it's a seasonal structure go check out ign for more information about that uh, ea financials have indicated that dragon age dreadwolf won't be arriving until at least mid to late 2024 and we'll see how that one turns out because good golly it's been in development for a long time now hasn't it uh feels oh, that yeah. way mm-hmm. uh speaking of which nintendo also has no plans to launch a switch successor before mid to late 2024 I would say I'm gonna say holiday 2024 is when we can expect to switch to viable. Yeah, for sure. That'll be seven years, seven and a half years. That's a good run. Good run Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. especially for hardware that was kind of old to begin with. Good run for Mm -hmm. what's what amounts to a a souped up Wii U. A souped up GameCube. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No. I, I do have to say that was something that didn't, didn't come up in the main topic was worth saying. The team and the inter- one of the interviews that came out right before the game's release, they said specifically there's a lot we could do in Tears of the Kingdom because it is more powerful than the Wii U. And of course, Breath of the Wild was developed for the Wii U in mind first and foremost. So there's something going on there. God, can you imagine putting them on a PS5? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I would love to play Tears of the Kingdom in 60 FPS. That's all I ask. Uh, there'll be a re-release for no, they're gonna keep it 20 Switch fps two. and it's gonna be like an entire universe <laughs> as a side note uh nintendo would be crazy not to go with the handheld thing again right they're not going oh, to yeah. they're yeah. not going back yeah. they're not going to screw themselves with innovation right and it has to be backward compatible Absolutely. i'm sorry nintendo don't be crazy here i mean when i went to that launch party for tears of the kingdom I saw the Tears of the Kingdom switch and I was that freaking close to spending hundreds of dollars to buy another Nintendo Switch when I've owned two at this point. I've had and three. I know a lot of people, including Pierre Schneider, have doubled and tripled up over the years. And that's why Nintendo Switch's uh, hardware sales are so ridiculously high. People are triple dipping with this thing. Come on, Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Come you on. don't triple dip oh, with a the, PS5. The home switch and the travel switch is such a good combination, though. Oh, it's, it is. It's though. really it's something perfect. else. Mm. It's decadent. Absolutely decadent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time now for the Summer of Korra. Uh, 
this is a segment in which we watch three episodes of uh, The Legend of Korra at a time and uh, talk about them. Um, we previously did Autumn of Avatar, which uh, we are turning into a... We're, we're taking all those segments and putting them to one episode for easy listening. So uh, please listen to that. Mike, you've never seen Legend of Korra. Did you ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? No. Sorry wow. to say. Wow. Wow. You're in bad company right now. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Mike. I didn't see Avatar The Last Airbender until Eric forced me to. Like, put me in front of a TV, clockwork orange style, <laughs> and made me watch all of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I have to say, it holds up pretty good. Very my good friend, show. My friend Mary on our podcast, Fire Escape, routinely tells Dan Riker and I to watch it. And Dan has tried it. I don't think it's stuck for him. But I have yet to make good on uh, Mary's recommendation. I will. <laughs> I really, I've heard incredible things. Please so. tell me that Fire Escape is a fastball uh podcast it's just a term we came up it's our video game podcast okay <laughs> well wouldn't it be great if it were a fastball podcast You'd get Why two you, good episodes out how of did fastball get back into this podcast again? <laughs> he said fire escape <laughs> pretty clear line right there there you go uh but tom you are a big Korra fan yeah so i've seen i've seen all f- the first three seasons and then i got about halfway through the last season and then I don't know, something came up and I forgot to ever go back to it. And I've really wanted to rewatch the fourth season. But yeah, I am a big fan of Korra. I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of Avatar. And I really like a lot of stuff about Korra, I guess I will say. My first exposure to Korra, by the way, was when Platinum made a Korra video game. Oh, and oh yeah, right. I reviewed that. Mm. It was just okay, right? It no, was not great. No, no. <laughs> I don't remember it being it, very good at all. I remember a lot of disappointment over it. Yeah, it, it was, it was funny because it's, it's canon it's canonically Mm. bridges the gap between season one and season two i believe and it's it doesn't live up to being a canon video game i guess it it, it set us up for season two in a way but um it's i you would think that like a platinum game that's like a beat-em-up where you have four different elements earth fire water um air to bend and you're kind of doing all those moves together, whipping them around like that seems like a home run, but it just never felt as good as that game probably should Platinum's have really flipping a coin sometimes, isn't it? It's all about yeah, that, like you don't know what you get. Platinum was like coin flip where it's which which quality are we getting out of them? I don't want to derail the podcast, but mm-hmm. we were just talking about Tears of the Kingdom yeah. this whole time. And it occurs to me that a Avatar The Last Airbender open world game in which you could use avatar abilities in the style of like tears of the kingdom would be pretty lit because one of the main conceits of avatar is that you can manipulate the world and that's quite a challenging thing to be able to implement into um, a world where you're like messing around with the environment and everything about the environment is totally manipulatable if they could actually, somebody could actually pull that off, it would be pretty amazing, I think. I think you just back-designed Genshin Impact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is kind of well, Genshin Impact, is here's a bunch of elemental affinities that can all combine with each other in an open world that looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. You just need to add, like, 
predatory gotcha systems into it <laughs> and, and hot eric, anime characters i i have a honkai update by the way oh, yeah? uh, eric eric has not been playing honkai this week uh and eric is also much more jaded about the gotcha system and the resources mm. because he has hit the grind in this game so um that this is my mia culpa uh on honkai that I still think it's a really good and interesting RPG with a cool story, but boy, do those gotcha systems kick in after the honeymoon phase. <laughs> uh-huh. The honeymoon phase is a good description. But Summer of Korra, this is where I make an admission, everybody. Uh, last night, so I, I watched episode four. Good episode. Enjoyable. A lot happening in that one, uh, story-wise. We can talk about it. Um, last night I was like, oh, what do I need to do? I think I've done everything. I think I'm just going to play some tears of the kingdom now. And I sat down, started playing like several hours worth of uh, tears of the kingdom, went to bed at like midnight, 1230, woke up this morning. And I was like, I didn't watch the last two episodes of Korra. Well, shit. So, uh, I, I please forgive me. I'm behind. I didn't I'll let get the stars these two. determine your penance. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, no. we'll, we'll just have to figure something out. No, that just means you're going to have to watch six episodes next week. So yeah. this is really on you. That's five, so, right? I watched episode four. No, because each season there were like, there's an odd number of episodes. Oh my God. In so each I have to watch se- so there, is a four epi- there is a four episode a no. week each season. So, and that's next week. <laughs> well, so. well, well. Uh, okay. Yeah, you did this to yourself. Yeah, uh, I was gonna you say know. those aren't like the actions of your own consequences. My own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, the own consequences of your own actions. I, I, I'm bummed you didn't watch episode six. I think episode five is fine. It gets into some of the stuff that I don't like about early Korra, which is them trying to do very stereotypical love triangle yeah, type it's stuff. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Like Korra, Korra likes Mako. Bolin likes Korra. Mako likes Korra and Asami. Um, I think some of that stuff's kind of weak early on, even though I like all those characters individually. And Bolin is my boy, and I hate seeing yeah, his great. heartbroken. I'm um, just yeah. like the sports boys. I was like, wait a minute, are these are they are they just main characters? Are are they sticking around? I thought they were just going to be around for a little bit, but seemingly uh, they're becoming important. <laughs> yeah, you you could <laughs> say that they could perhaps be the the starts of a team avatar in oh, a way. Boy. Um, okay. but they're, they're auto they're already way less interesting than um, the, uh, the original avatar crew i even like Sokka better than these guys these guys oh, are like, chunks. I like don't Bolin. do that to bolin Bolin's Bolin's, oh he's the best the only so, thing, so, so. i can take Mako, i like scarf Mako. man <laughs> he's all right i guess you, you That's like Mako, i think you like Zuko too. You like the the Sasuke of this group. The is there Scarf who's, who's the explosion and guy from My Hero? Is that what it is? The, the Bakugo is that yeah. is Bakugo Explosion Boy? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the edgy boy of the group. Um. You need to watch six episode six. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Episode six was they, pretty awesome. They they have a fight on top of the dome, the 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 bending dome with the equalists, and it's it's where you get to see Lin uh, Beifong actually use her metal bending and do a bunch of like the wire like stuff Spider-Man, that they do. Man, or Attack um, on Titan rather. Yeah, yeah. She does this move where she like launches Korra up into the air, and it looks like some of those like wire tricks that people can do. Like you you go like Cirque du Soleil or something like that, and they like 
do all those weird body manipulation stuff and like fling each other up into the air and it's it's like that and it's super rad I, oh, what was the name of the the general again who uses the metal bending uh lynn is uh, she top's is daughter she, okay so she is top's daughter yeah, okay yeah. they talk a little they, bit about that, that that was episode one is that she's top's daughter she definitely is top's daughter like yeah. there's oh, yeah. no doubt oh yeah uh i do have a question though the equalists they want to make everyone equal blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then they say we have the technology to match the benders so now it's you're not equalizing anything. You're just well, taking but, away power. But that's that's technology that is widely available to everyone. It makes That'd me think fair, of The Incredibles. Where you yeah, have, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. This yeah. is very syndrome of them where they're like, nobody's going to be super. I'm going to have, but except for me, the tech billionaire with all the all the gadgets. So I'm not trying to lead y'all in any way, but I will say that I do think you're supposed to feel that the equalists want something that sounds reasonable on paper but they're achieving it through means that make them an antagonistic force yeah, I kinda to, that. especially cora because broadly i would think that what cora deals with is what is the avatar and what role does the avatar have in a world that is becoming increasingly industrialized increasingly small um and also like is the avatar an extra ju- uh, I cannot talk this morning extra judicial force that uh is maybe like not seen as equal for everybody does not treat everyone equally in is short more, is she yeah. a cop yeah is Cora a cop well in That's the first episode in episode for- <laughs> four she's literally a cop <laughs> she does join the cops yeah um I have to say which- I enjoyed episode four by the way uh there was a lot going on in that episode um between cora kind of navigating the the politics of republic city and whatnot mm-hmm. uh somebody pointed out in seasons of avatar that it's kind of based on 1920 shanghai which is a mm-hmm. which is a, an interesting mood i i loved the whole bit in which she's on statue of ang liberty uh liberty <laughs> ang island and she gets pulled into the darkness and then the darkness lights up that was pretty cool that was a good mm-hmm. moment. Um, and also the uh, the Ford union-busting uh, businessman who's probably bad. Uh, Hiroshi Sato, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inventor of the Sato-mobile. The Sato-mobile. Um, My gosh. Yeah. And then I was like, the, I love that he plays uh, Duckworth from Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I'll totally sponsor your team and bail you out. You just have to put my my name on your jerseys. Yeah, baby, let's go. <laughs> Marco's like, I'd get a tattoo if I could. I'd uh, just t- t- tattoo that shit on my chest. Let's go. Yeah, I'm interested. Like, I think maybe not season one, but like season two, once they knew that they were actually going to be a long running show, they start to do more to flesh out Mako and Bolin. So I'm curious to, but I think we get there with them either way. So, okay. Well, I'll have more thoughts on episode five and six. Uh, in a bit, I, um, I, I have been enjoying Summer of Korra, though, so far. Uh, Mike, yeah, so far, I like it. Listening to us talk about this, does this sound more compelling, less compelling, or are you just confused right now? It's a combination of this sounds like a really cool show, and it confirms what I've heard about it from other people, but definitely confusing. But granted, people who haven't played Tears of the Kingdom are probably listening to me talk about it like a mad scientist. So <laughs> usually a good indication of something, I think. Uh, Tom, any additional thoughts on the episodes we were talking about? 
makes not the episode specifically because it's been so long, but it does make me want to go back and rewatch it from the start. I just know that I liked, and I hope this isn't coloring your impressions at all. I know I liked season one way, way, way less than what followed it. So I like it's tough for me to want to go back all the way to the beginning. (laughs) I believe that. All right. That's it for Summer of Korra. Please look forward to our wrap up of uh, season one at the end of the month. Nadia, take us home. Uh, Kat or Eric, whoever, do you want to read what I wrote for the notes? Just that should set us up. <clears throat> when I heard the Zelda theme and thought I was going fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, just a, kind of a, a little uh, brief, uh, you know, uh, warm up for our our, our our guests here. Basically, at Nadia's nostalgia note, we usually call Nadia's nostalgic pit. It's basically me talking about something old from the olden days. Uh, usually, video games could be something else, could even be something recent that just happened. That's weird. Uh, it's <laughs> it's, it's round back. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> it's a vault. Yeah. Okay. So this happened when I was um, shoot. I don't know. I'd say like 18 or so. Uh, I was walking home from school and my house was actually like I would I would cut through a hockey rink um, parking lot that was near my house. So I would uh, just like it was quiet there. So I was coming home, had my knapsack and I start hearing the Zelda theme. I'm like, what the fuck? And I I keep going. And I'm like, someone must be playing the game somewhere. I I can't see anyone or or know where that'd be coming from, but I'm going to pretend someone's playing the game somewhere. I said, this is it. All right. It's not going insane. It finally happened. I played too many video games. My mom mom said this would happen. (laughs) You were having the Tetris effect. Yep. Yep. I said, I, I, I literally thought I was going crazy, but then I realized, oh, I had forgotten. I had brought my Game Boy to school. And it had somehow turned on in my bag, and it was playing the title theme for The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. So I'm walking through this parking lot, like, hearing those vo- these Zelda voices. Like, I'm like, I can't even hear regular voices, like someone who's actually, like, losing their mind. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the Zelda theme. All right, this tracks. But no, I wasn't losing my mind. I was just hearing the Zelda theme. And I just, to this day, I think that's really funny. It's a really <laughs> good game, prank to pull. Your Game Boy was saying, play me, Nadia. It's, mm. hello, Nadia. I'm right <laughs> here Nadia. in your bag. Um, Why aren't you playing me, Nadia? have to say uh so you can hear link in tears of the kingdom humming the yes. zelda theme while cooking mm-hmm. very cute also i, I think the uh, i heard the greeter theme he goes da 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 yeah saria's it. song too i think and is yeah. also the, the link's awakening yeah. theme i think he uh, sings the link's awakening song too that's great too. Mm-hmm. yeah i think you can also do lon lon ranch and zelda's lullaby it's like a it's like a pretty big list which is funny because it makes me not want to skip the cooking mm. animation anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah. So i want to hear what i'm gonna get it's like a gotcha of its own i think that the zelda theme is one of the best ever like if i were making a list of the top 50 themes the zelda themes going on it and i was that kid who would just turn on the original zelda and sit on the title screen and wait for it to play the whole thing because I enjoyed the the music so much. That was me with the uh, Zelda 2 title screen, actually. And uh, at some point, your mom would be like, play the game or turn it off. So <laughs> you couldn't get away with it for long. But yeah. 
also Tech Mobile. I liked the I music from that the one tech too. Mm-hmm. Theme. I didn't even play the game. I just turned on the li- the, the music because my my brother had it. I just turned it on and listened to it. All good stuff. That's it for this week's episode of Axe of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Cat Bailey. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C Moosey. And one more time, Tom, where can we find you? At Tom R. Marks on Twitter. And Mike. I am M. Mahardy or MMA Hardy, whichever whichever one is easier to remember. Yeah, <laughs> Frequently too. confused. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts sure. in The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Please go check out their respective reviews over on Polygon and IGN. If you enjoy the show, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just $1, you can get the show ad-free, and you can join us on our Discord. And hey, if you want to join our Stars of Destiny tier, we record this live for a live studio audience. And this week, we have Abby of the Moon, Amy, Anthrax Bees, Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, JB, Mango Alts, Fequinox, Ruka, Zubatman, Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be heading into the Acts of the Blood God post-show where we're just going to have plenty more Tears of the Kingdom talk, maybe a few other things. I, I have some thoughts on that GQ Top 100 list oh that my. I've been making discourse mm. about. Oh, yes, boy. You have. Oh, boy. Look forward to that. All right. We're going to head over there. In the meantime, for Eric, Nadia, Tom, Mike, and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.